0: How I came to listen to Ernst Ottensalmer's and the Royal Northern Symphonia's new recording of Aaron Copland's clarinet concerto is the subject of this personal account, illustrated with clips from the album and contributions from a recent interview with the album's conductor, Richard Stamp. Some weeks ago now, me and my partner went on a short break to nearby Brighton, staying in a hotel with a view, looking out to sea. I rarely take the lead on excursions, certainly not those where expenditure is involved, but this time was a little different. The moment we agreed we would go, I breathed a sigh of relief, as though I had completely overlooked just how much of a break I needed. It seemed so strange an idea, having spent nine months in our reasonably well-appointed home, that I would feel the need to stay in another reasonably well-appointed interior, only this time paying money for the privilege and yet just the thought of it gave me a sense of much-needed space. When we arrived in our hotel room, I dropped onto the sofa and very nearly fell asleep. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. An overwhelming sense of fatigue had passed over me, an experience very different from overtiredness or waking up bleary-eyed. This was something akin to suddenly, unexpectedly, being completely powered down, as though someone had pulled the power cable out from the television I was watching without me even noticing they were there. The days that followed were increasingly and surprisingly demanding. The fatigue didn't pass, despite a few good night's sleep, and my mind went into overdrive, analysing everything and nothing, seeking answers to questions which were causing me extreme anxiety and failing to reach any real conclusions. In some respects, it was a little scary. It was reminiscent of days when I suffered with depression as a teenager, and for those who don't know, the distinction between anxiety and depression is actually difficult to describe succinctly in a podcast, but those who have experienced it themselves will, I'm sure, be able to instinctively pinpoint the defining characteristics of both. There was a sense that something I recalled as a teenager as being relentless, and seemingly never-ending, had now, today, without any warning, returned with a vengeance. I'd been blindsided by something I never imagined would return with the kind of ferocity I remember experiencing as a teenager. How could I have let this happen now? How could I have not seen this coming? I'm interested in knowing, um, without giving away too much, do you have, what was the recording process like? Was it was it essentially? I mean, I listen to recordings and assume that everything is done in one take, but presumably it wasn't. It
1: was the most, they were the most difficult sessions of my entire career. Uh, the most difficult sessions of my entire career. It, it had a rehearsal the day before. It was not in the repertory Neither was Appalachian Spring. Um, and but basically, the hardest part was. That you might have noticed was and did not take code score is in brackets at the changeover crotchet equals crotchet the tempo no so it wasn't just the tempo changed but it would go from moderato when it was to to prestissimo so the question was how to get this to work and how to tie it all in. So it was the most difficult, 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 difficult job I've ever had. But I am thrilled to pieces. We seem to have, we seem to have, have made it work. And you're the first independent critic I've had, you see, who's not actually involved.
0: The oddest thing occurred when I returned to London a few days later. Within the space of a few hours my mood had almost been completely restored. I checked emails I'd had a conversation with a colleague. That was where the sort of recovery had started. In my inbox next was an outstanding task to listen to Richard Stamp and the late Ernst Ottensheimer's recording with the Royal Northern Symphonia of Aaron's Copeland Concerto for clarinet and some Strauss and the Appalachian Spring Suite. Copeland's Concerto is a short and seemingly light touch affair. It's scored for solo clarinet and strings and it oozes jazz. It was originally written for Benny Goodman. It has, in my mind, three distinctive episodes too. It's a masterclass in concision. The last episode after the clarinet cadenza which links the two movements, depicts a range of distinctive vignettes which tell a story, a sort of a TV drama without images, characters or indeed any discernible story. There's a framework allowing you to project any story you wish onto it. It's another world and there is authenticity to that world which was at the time of listening to it after I returned from Brighton incredibly appealing. Uh, I think and there's. So, I think there's also something for me. There's something about um, the work itself. Uh, not to detract from the the contributions of everybody, but I think there's something about the work and its scoring and its the, its apparent simplicity that really that really makes it relatable at this point in time. That's what I felt. In addition to Ottensammer's play. you
1: really feel that way. When, and, and, and it's so lovely to hear your view. Well, because on that. because
0: it because for me it's. I think that, that because of its sort of intimacy, there is an intimacy to the work anyway. That really speaks to me at a point in time when everybody is cut off. So I think it's partly to do with the work, and I think it's also a lot to do with, with his playing, which you know, as a as a clarinetist, I just, it, it is I just so think.
1: Effortless. It's so it effortless. It is. So <laughs>
0: effortless <laughs> yes, it and
1: does. so flowing, and so unbelievably
0: musical. And I it's, hate that. I hate that. I really do. I just think. I know the work of old, studying at a university, by which I mean I played through it a few times with my extremely frustrated teacher. At the time, I remember finding its apparent unorthodoxy in comparison to works by, say, Weber or Mozart, just too much to get my head around. There was a lot going on in my head at the time, in fairness, but as the years have gone by, so I've grown to love it. Perhaps I've learned to love it. Stamp and Otten recording, the opening movement in particular, takes my appreciation of the work to a different level. As I listened to the opening notes in the harp, the accompanying lone string over which a wistful introspective melody floats, I could feel myself in the moment breathing more deeply like I hadn't breathed for a long, long time. Calmness descended. There aren't many melodies that draw me in quite so in, quite so intensely as that first movement subject. Maybe Elgar One, or his violin concerto first movement, maybe some music by Ivor Gurney. There's probably a longer list, but there's three to be going on with. Copland's Clarinet Concerto draws me in because it poses so many questions. What is the emotional quality of that melody? What is that melody's character? For me, there's introspection. There isn't melancholy. There's strength and there's resilience. There's no indulgence. There's certainly no self-indulgence. It's not saccharine. It's elegant, it's strong, it's beautiful. It is a melody that creates space that sculpts a character before our very eyes, a character that observes the world around it, a character that is part of the world but isn't reacting to it. It's a melody that creates a vision A sort of reminder of the way perhaps we'd like to live our lives in the world.
1: Who, who makes it sound to my ears as though it's been composed in, as he, as it's being played. Do
0: you know what yes. I mean? Yeah, and uh, the other thing that really spoke to me was his uh, was the cadenza, where, where I often hear the cadenza in between the first and second movement and sort of think, yeah, I see what's being done there, but I don't quite get it. I think his is probably the first, or maybe one of a handful of of recordings where I thought I get what is going on in the cadenza now and I get how it's it's working as a transition from the first I didn't expect to get into all of this detail I hope you don't mind This for me is an illustration of active listening, a way of listening to music, observing its construction, its textures, its structure, and at the same time observing how that music triggers reactions in me in the moment. And in the case of listening to Ernst Ottenheimer's performance with Richard Stamp and the Royal Northern Sinfonia, it's music as a way of identifying reserves of resilience, a way of creating language, that helps trigger a different mindset, one that is much needed in the moment. Yeah.
1: for that small band of soldiers who yes. are fighting the battle. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I, yes,
0: yes, I do know what you mean, but I think it's because it's, done, it's also been done with reduced forces, if you like, uh, that it, but probably, it, it probably... Yes, absolutely, that it provides a certain amount of clarity, uh, which means that more of the detail... It seems weird to be saying this, but more of the detail in Copeland's writing... It's not weird really at all,
1: because, you see, if I'd like to ask you, obviously, love your Copeland...
0: Writing about this a few here. weeks later... After I might add a series of blood tests, which later revealed I had a severe vitamin D deficiency, I can confirm that I feel fully restored. That's partly due to the experience in Brighton and the resulting actions. It's also to do with the way in which Otten Sama's playing contributed to me feeling reset. It's also down to the industrial dose of vitamin D I've taken over the past six weeks, which has topped up my reserves, I now learn that a a lack of vitamin D contributes to feelings of fatigue, muscle aches and symptoms of depression. Be on your guard if you haven't been to date. But it isn't only the vitamin D. It's also Copeland's writing. Copeland's writing has the most remarkable power. His chord progressions created by a series of long and drawn-out harmonic suspensions trick the mind into thinking there's nothing to see here. Then when you're least expecting it, as in the case of the sixth movement of the Appalachian Spring Suite, there is this moment when six chords come into focus and a motion you never thought you could feel is suddenly released. It is as though the sun has broken through the clouds.
1: starkness and transparency of of Catman's original is absolutely the pure soul of Appalachian Spring, Uh, in a way to the other with its vast percussion effects and its heavy brass and everything.
0: This year, more than ever, active listening hasn't so much created an escape, as many often assume that's what classical music is good for, as it has helped me confront what has been buried deep as a result of this rather traumatic year we have all experienced. Like the transformative work my shiatsu therapist friend Debbie Moon performs on my often mangled body, Copeland's music unravels what I'm thinking and feeling in the moment, lays it all out on the floor in front of me, and helps me identify how to put it all back together again in a way that sustains me moving forwards. That is what classical music does. It has the ability to unearth thoughts and feelings. It doesn't paper over the cracks. It surfaces unacknowledged emotions. It pinpoints core values, a sense of purpose, and more often than not, it's a combination of writing, interpretation and playing that brings that about. In the late Ernst Ottensalmer's recording with conductor Richard Stamp and the Royal Northern Symphonia, is a shiny example.